0: That's good. That's <laughs> good, eh? There's key. Faith. Don't doubt Have faith. Love. You know, love things, hate other things, whatever she says there. Forgive. Let go of things. Slow down. And it's not just one big thing you're going to do that's going to change it all. It's thousands of little moments. Now, I don't know how they did that with a four-year-old, whether she was reading or a prompter or something like that, but... It reminds me of, of of Psalm eight, verse two. It says, "The out of the mouths of babes," you know. So, out of a child's mouth, when you hear those things, you're unthreatened because it's just so calm and beautiful. And she's not trying to make a point; she's just saying, "Like, chill out." I don't know how they did that. Whether it's an Australian accent, we'll have to take that into cognizance as well. But reality, folks, it's not just one big thing you're going to change that's going to set your life. I want to speak today about. Routine versus rhythm. Okay? Routine versus rhythm. So let's read from Matthew 11. And you know this verse. We've spoken about it before. Matthew 11 starts at 25. And at this time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, like the, the clever, the ones who know better, and revealed them to little children. Meaning... Reveal them to those who are willing to have faith like a child. To understand and see the revelation with, to the wise the understanding might seem foolish. But to the children would say, oh yes, of course it is. And you've revealed them to little children. Have um, Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Now this is the key part. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to read that to you quickly from, let me just get there, so I was moving around, from the Passion and the Message Translation to give you an updated understanding in our days. Is are you weary, the Passion Translation, are you weary, covering a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. The message says this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. There's a key word that stuck out for me. We have spoken into this unforced rhythms of grace. The unforced rhythms of His grace. From a place of rest. That word learn. Learn to understand. Learn and learn from me, Jesus says. That word learn means to be appraised, to obviously copy, to follow, to increase one's knowledge, to be increased in knowledge, to hear, be informed, to learn by use and practice to be in habit of or accustomed to. And there's something about habits. You know that it takes 21 days to form a habit, good or bad habits. So let's just take the example of the habit, never forsake the habit of coming together. Hebrews 10 or 11, I think it's 10. It says that. So it takes 21 consecutive moments to form a habit. So it's going to take you half a year of 21 Sundays to set the habit of coming to church. Because you don't come to church on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You come on Sunday. So 21 consecutive of those takes you half a year. That's just an example. Throw it out there. If you want to form a good habit, you take 21 days of perpetual rhythm and perpetual doing it. It forms a habit in your thinking and how you process and do it. So I want to speak about routine versus rhythms. About a year and a half ago, two years ago, we were after church. We were parking here at the lakeside, pick and pay. And uh, I was watching a guy setting up his restaurant that he'd opened up at about lunchtime. So it was probably about 12, half past 12. And he was setting up so he opens the big flaps on the outside. And I could see he did the same thing every day. He knew exactly what he was doing. He had this pole that he'd lift and he'd hang things up. He'd do it, I could see, routine. Every day, he would do exactly the same thing. Every day, hoping that today would be better than the next day, I'm sure. And I, as I was sitting there, this lion came to me and, and said "They're watching him do his stuff there, and this says, you won't see the new if you keep doing the old. You won't see the new if you keep doing the old. And so thinking about this guy, has he got a fresh expectation every day that today... My business is going to boom and plenty of people are going to come into my restaurant and are going to eat of my food. Has he got a fresh expectation every day or he's just going through this routine, hoping for the best, seeing that today might be the day that it changes? That restaurant doesn't exist anymore. So clearly, his routine wasn't actually the thing that was going to produce something of success. He was just doing something what he knew and just trying and hoping for his best and hoping that something would change and it would be better tomorrow than it was yesterday. The restaurant's not there anymore. I don't know where he's, if he's opened up another one, but it's not there. So was routine good there? It didn't seem to pan out in the end, did it? Now, there are routines in life that are good. You've got to break, wake up every morning and brush your teeth. Okay, but the first thing before you brush your teeth is you always make a cup of coffee. Okay, that's the first thing that happens in our house. We go and I switch on the kettle, and then I go and open curtains, and I get the kids going. When it's school routines and rhythms and all that stuff, routine is good. Right? Okay? Routine's not bad. There's things that have to be done. Like if you don't get up the habit of getting up and going to work every day, your boss is eventually going to go, like, where are you? Nah, I'm just taking an off day. You know, I'm just going on the beach. It's a fantastic day. Eventually he's going to be like, but <laughs> you've got to be here. There's routine of doing stuff that's required of us in everyday life. Okay? So routine produces things like tradition. So my dad and I have a tradition of going to the cricket Thank you for the ticket that we got to go and sit yesterday. Every year we're going to watch the New Year's test. We haven't done it last year. We didn't do it because I was away. But I got given a ticket this time because it was sold out. Because there were too many British people. Way too many. About 70% of the crowd is this balmy army people, man. And they and they'd partake of that golden juice. And by half past four, it's loud, the juice. And my dad was a little bit, I think we got to get going. I was like, yeah, let's get going. You know, you don't want to make headlines with some British man that's uh, annoyed you so much with shouting, Barmy army, ah Barmy army, ah for like half an hour. You're like, eventually, I might be slightly deaf, but that was loud. So there's tradition that we do. That's, it's fun. There's fun things we do, and they are routines in our lives, and we have fun with them as we kind of go. And as we do them, and rhythms as it works out and stuff. But it's what... The routine creates, that is key. Okay? Because it pa- can very be quickly become mundane and boring. So what we try and do is we try and change it. We try and spice it up. We try and make it better. But there's some things that just have to happen and get done. And the bottom line, it needs to get done. But yes, that's life. Okay? That's life, routines, and things we have, and the things that need to happen and we need to do in life. But there's the, that's the physical aspect of your world. Everybody will leave here and go and get some lunch. That's a routine. You'll, you'll eat food every day. If you don't eat, you're going to struggle. You know, there's a routine that on the Monday the 13th, most people will be back at the office. It's it's the rhythms. That's, it's important in life, but that's physical life. The spiritual routines that we live, and that's why you're sitting in church. That's why you're sitting here, because you're not just physical beings hoping for the best and just Putting our best foot forward and saying, 2020, yeah we come, let's hope let's for the best. No, it's all rooted in a foundation of faith. It's all rooted in a foundation of the one that we love and the one that has paid a price for it. So from the foundation that we have set in place, we set these routines or more rhythms in place that actually feed us. And when we set that foundation in place, all the other things that can become mundane and boring have meaning, there's understanding. Like I wake up every morning with purpose. I don't wake up thinking, oh flip there are days like that where you know here we go again. I don't have any chutzpah or gumption for today or whatever that might mean. That happens, that's life. But generally you wake up with purpose. Why? Because you've got a foundation of spiritual bottom line in your life, not just, oh I hope we achieve something this year. Because that's aimless. That's aimlessness. And so the routine of setting up a restaurant every day achieved nothing for him, because now it's gone. And we do these things in our lives, hoping for the best, hoping that something better will start to happen. So what's the difference between a routine and a rhythm? Okay, I'll give you, now we're talking spiritual terms, okay? There's some things, if you don't brush your teeth for a week, eventually it's going to affect you. Okay, or two years, however that takes long. Okay, there's routines you have to do. We're talking spiritual stuff now. And we are spiritual people. That's the foundational thing of why you are on this earth. God did not create you to be a worker for him. He created you to be a worshiper of him. It's not what you do for the kingdom. It's who you are for the kingdom. There's the foundation. You see these truths that lay upon your life. So yeah, here's a, uh, an example I'll put together of what routine is. Routine is religious duty bound by requirements placed upon me to perform and adhere to those in authority around me and that require something of me. I conform and slowly die spiritually. That's what routine does. Routine produces this over and over again and over requirements of me to perform and to do certain things and adhere to to be a certain way, to act in a certain thing, because the authority that are over me, the kind of stuff, I have to kind of please them and how I live and how I do my life. And so what I do is I conform and I slowly die spiritually. So what does this produce? This produces rule-abiding Christians who can't make their own decisions and remain immature as they begrudgingly submit to the authority over them. That's what the church is full of. Yes. The pastors, the big man who can help everybody and everything. That doesn't happen here. I put responsibility on you so you make decisions in Christ and God to be responsible for your lives. But religion and routine of religion has formed immature people. The church, that's why the church is ineffective. Because it's immature believers who can't make powerful decisions. Here's the difference what rhythms in your life will create. Instead of going through the routine of duty, what's required of me, rhythms of grace, however, are believers that are motivated by love, because, the, no, sorry, motivated by a love they could not earn or repay. Being children of God and heirs to the throne helps our rhythms of going to church Reading the Bible and praying not to be a duty because we are motivated by the one who first loved us. It's a very different perspective of routine, which is actually more rhythm in your life. And what does this produce? This, is, this produces kingdom ambassadors that are free in and by the Spirit to make powerful decisions for kingdom advance which in turn stirs faith to believe for more and see God do far more abundantly than we ask or think by the power of the Spirit at work within them and and are beautifully nurtured by them willingly submitting to the authority that is for them and then creating an environment to release them. You feel the difference? Routine is religion. Okay, here's a line I've got. Routine produces, sorry, routine breeds tradition. Which can lead to religion. But the unforced rhythms of grace cause faith which breeds breakthrough life. I'll read that again. i to read this a few times. Routine breeds tradition. Which can lead to religion. Religion is dead. It's no relationship in it. Traditions of men. Paul speaks about it in the letter to Timothy. The traditions of men he speaks about. They will not bring power. They are just things we do over and over again, hoping that something good will come of it. Think about it. Routine breeds tradition, which can lead to religion, but the unforced rhythms of grace causes faith, which breeds breakthrough life. So now think about this tussle between routine and rhythm. Okay, You've got to catch a revelation of rhythm. Think about the Jewish tradition how Jesus even adhered to these things. If you read through the New Testament and the Old Testament, you will see the Jewish tradition, the Jewish culture, their their understanding of that society, they had rhythms that they had. They had a weekly rhythm, they had a monthly rhythm, and they had annual rhythms in their lives. So some of the examples are Shabbat is a weekly rhythm for them. Rosh Chodesh is the new month. That's a rhythm every month. Rosh Hashan is the Jewish New Year. Then you get Yom Kippur, you get Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles. You get Hanukkah, which is the festival of lights. There's about how many, how many festivals have you got, got Margaret? About eight. about eight. Okay. Some are monthly, some are weekly, some are annually. That is Jewish tradition. I don't believe as Gentiles we have to follow the Jewish traditions, but there's a pattern in how we live our lives with rhythm. So think of what rhythms you've got in your life that feed you. So there's the rhythm of coming together here every week. It's a weekly rhythm in your life. And I guarantee you that you leave here far more encouraged than when you arrived. Every single Sunday. Every Sunday. I know that happens. Then we've got in this community a monthly rhythm where we have... First fruits, and we come together and pray and worship. And this year we're going to adjust it a bit from 10 to 10 on a Saturday so that more people can gain access to it. It becomes a rhythm in your life where it becomes a foundation, not based upon what I can get out of it, but based upon what I'm doing and giving back to the kingdom and to the king because he paid everything for me, and it's a rhythm in my life that sets an order of how I position myself of doing good things for God. Then there's annual Rhythms. So every year we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Every year we celebrate the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Those are rhythms that we follow by. I think one thing we're going to do here is have an annual rhythm of having a New Year's Eve prayer meeting and worship time. I mean, what is it, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night? Last year. It's a long time ago already. Okay. Do, you know, do you know we had nearly 200 people here? Gather for New Year's Eve prayer meeting. I was, I was hugely encouraged because, because what a way to start the new year. Man, we were celebrating of joy that God has exalted Jesus to the highest place. That for me, I've wanted to do for years, but it could become a rhythm of how you set the new year in order. It was beautiful. You see how life is? It's not routine. It's not like, oh, you're telling me to do this and you're requiring this stuff of me, man. you not know my life's so busy, I can't keep up with everything, man. Well, then you don't have rhythm. You're out of touch. You're out of control of your own life if you can't keep with basic rhythms in your life. If the corporate world is demanding so much of you and stuff, and which it does, I understand that. I've been in that world. I know what that's like. You've got to draw a boundary line because they will eat you up and use you until you can't be used anymore. You've got to say, that's how far we go. And you know what? Often, when you stand up to your boss, you stand up to people like that, not with arrogance, but with understanding what it is. They actually do acknowledge it. I remember telling my boss very clearly, I will never, ever work for you on a Sunday. You need to know that. It's never going to happen. It's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. It wasn't even an argument. I know know some people work shifts and rhythms in your work, so it's hard not to be able to work on a Sunday. And mine was a nine-to-five on a Monday, but sometimes they'd require things on a Saturday, and then they were doing Sundays. I was like, never, never. Because that's my rhythm I require in my world. I wasn't full-time. I was working in the corporate world. You decide how that rhythm works in your life this year. You can do the routine of going to work every day. Or you can see it as a rhythm in your life that God has positioned you for good things. He's put you here with a purpose. You do your work unto the Lord. And everything you put your hands to is for Him first. And then it becomes more of a a rhythm than a routine. Routine breeds tradition, which leads to religion. But when you have rhythms, the unforced rhythms of His grace flowing in and through your life, it'll breed faith in your heart, which brings breakthrough into your life. Different areas where you believe in God for relationships, financially, work all these things will come unto you because seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Now, you've really got to go think about this because I can see your brains are clack, 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 clack ticking over here. Who sets the rhythm for you? I don't set your rhythm. <laughs> so you will do this. Then that's religion. That's authority being telling you what to do. Then you're just obedient robots. Yes, yeah, okay, right, yeah, we do this. Yeah, yeah. Not making powerful decisions, but you start setting it all. That's why I'm preaching this right first message beginning of the year. So you set spiritual rhythms in your life. What actually happens with them eventually? They feed you. <laughs> and those rhythms become part of of who you are, and it's never a duty. I mean, so Kathleen's ill this morning, again. luckily this time, it wasn't me that gave it to her. And so the kids, I was like, hey guys, we ready to go? Want to come? And they're like, oh, Aiden's like, nah, I'm staying at home today, Dad. I was like, okay, problem. that's cool. Ella's like, oh, Dad, I feel so bad. I, I'm, you know, and I don't want to ever create an environment where they're doing it out of a forced duty. So it's like one week, it's not the end of the world. But I remember growing up, I love coming to church. There's just no kids' work. They understand that. They know they're going to sit in the front yard and hack around on iPads and phones and be bored, essentially. Next week, I think it is, right? It's next week, kids' work. Next week, next week, it's coming. (laughs) But I remember growing up just loving being at church. It was never forced upon me. Yes, you go through your teenage years, and like, oh, I'm too cool for church. There's no one there for me. I don't like it. And you grow up out of that. But your parents give you room and space. It's not a duty that you sit here. It's a rhythm in your life that feeds you. That feeds you. I love it when we're on holiday and Catherine, I'm like, let's find a local church. We can go on holiday. When we're not, let's find a local church. Kathy's like, I'm not going to church, which is fine. That's okay. I like to visit other churches. I don't get to visit because I'm with yokes all the time, man. You can see how other guys do it. I mean, just see from other perspectives. Okay, like I said to you, Jesus is looking for worshipers and not workers. Here's a quote from A.W. Tozer. Says God wants us to worship Him. He doesn't need us. For He couldn't be a self sufficient God and need anything or anybody, but He wants us. When Adam sinned, it was not He who cried out, God, where art thou? But rather, it was, it was God who cried out, Adam, where art thou? See the difference. See, it's not us in our little worlds and all our stuff crying out. God's actually seeking. What is that, John 4? He's seeking for those who will worship Him. He's looking out for you. Oh, yes. I've got your heart. Like Andy this morning, bro, that worship, it's just all all heart. You could feel it. People respond to your heart. They don't respond to how great voice he's got and lack on that guitar there, going this stuff. It's all heart. And it's the same in your family. It's the same in your workplace. It's the same wherever you go. When you get people's hearts, and you're bound together by one accord. That's where power happens. Thanks, Uche, for sharing that. It's powerful. Powerful. But He doesn't want you to work for Him. He's seeking you out. Just worship Him. Just love Him. So as you said rhythms in your life this year and stuff. I've been, I've been, I I've I wrote something last year at the end of the, the Rugby World Cup. Man, Rugby World Cup. So to remind you guys. We're struggling in the cricket bill. We'll just keep talking about rugby. I mean, I watched a bit of it and I watched a lot of the background stuff. Man, when when Japan beat Scotland in their pool match, which meant Japan go through to the quarterfinals of the World Cup. That's down to the final eight of how many? I think they how many teams? I don't know how many teams there are. There's four pools, 16 teams. Okay, the joy of that nation was insane. The emotion that was going down there was another level. I even shed a tear of just, wow, this is incredible. The people were going bananas. Is there something wrong with that? No, not at all. So, what is that? Is it patriotism? Is it all just emotion and hype? What's going down there? It's the joy of this spectacle being placed in front of people and when you give yourself to it, your emotions get caught up with it and you're caught up with the whole process. But now now we had a briar last week, Kathleen had some family down and we saw they had a, a couple from Japan that were there and they're living in Indonesia and so we're chatting to them and she's like, oh, and the World Cup. I was like, wow, no, the World Cup was amazing and stuff and still the pride in her heart of their nation hosting this thing with such excellence, you could see it was still on her months later. The whole reality of being in the quarterfinal—what does it mean now? We beat them anyway. Sorry, Japan. Sorry about that. What does it mean now? It's just oh, what was then? So it's fleeting little moments. And if you want to live your life with fleeting little emotional moments, that's all you'll get. And you know what? The world is brilliant at entertaining you and keep feeding you with fleeting little moments. That'll make you yeah, come on, and we were pumped. Come on, we're going to meet Japan in the quarterfinals. Man, you, and everyone you talk to, you talk about rugby in the World Cup. Man, that's amazing. Did you see the game? Yo, phenomenal. And then it fades. Yeah, we won the World Cup. Sio is at the rugby, at the cricket yesterday. They're interviewing him, the whole crowd's, woohoo. And what we're doing, they're putting on the screen, him lifting the trophy, and everyone's reliving the moment. Yay, we won. It's not the same elation, same joy as the 27th of October last year. And it was wonderful to watch some British guys and to watch us be able to win the cup together. (laughs) But what does it mean now? Come on, people. We watch the parades around the cities, the nation. It's all good in a moment, but it's fleeting. It didn't change our country overnight. It just brought joy. You know what it is? It's a taste of what it can be like when we live on the foundation of the one we love. Because all that stuff comes from Him. And here's the thing. If we want to live... In rhythms of our life and routines of fleeting moments of these little things, you'll watch stuff on TV, you'll support a soccer team, you'll support a cricket team, you'll watch all these things, they will come nonstop in your life. You can live by those emotions. And here's the thing, when we come to church and we gather to the king of all kings, if it's only emotional, if it's only about what I can receive and what I get in this place to go... Oh man, I feel so good about myself. Man, the presence of God. And it's not based upon a love for the one, but just experience. Amen. It'll fade. Amen. Because when the it's the fan, and the pressure comes, you're going to lean upon emotion. You're going to lean upon fleeting experiences. No, you're going to lean upon the one you know. Amen. You're going to lean upon the king of kings who is your brother, who is your friend. That's what you're going to lean upon. And that's what helps you in that proverb that says, in times of trouble when you falter, how small is your strength? He is your strength that you get to lean upon. So the rhythms that you set in your life this year and what you set in order in your world will help you not to have those fleeting emotional moments up and down all the time and living for those highs, but the steady rhythm of a constant knowing that the King of Kings is for me. His love for me will never change. I'm a child of the living God. My spirit bears witness with his spirit that I'm a child of God, an heir to the throne. That verse just, if I'm feeling down, I read that verse. That makes me feel better already because I can't do anything to get any more. It's all him who paid a price for me. Don't lose the wonder of serving the king of kings. Don't lose the wonder of what it is that this God who created all things yet chose to send his son into a dying world with good news of life and transformation that he's going to bring, that you are a part of, don't lose the wonder of that. Because it's not an emotional, oh, fleeting. Yes, we express ourselves. Yes, we glory in God. Yes, we thank him. How great is our God. Yes, I will shout as loud as I want to at times like that, but it's not fleeting. It's long-lasting. It's foundational. And what happens when I'm caught in that rhythm of knowing the goodness of God to me, it breeds faith in my heart. And when the Son of Man returns, what is He looking for? Faith. Not what you did. Your hearts are going to be judged according to what you've done. Your hearts will be judged one day when you stand before the Almighty God. You might be wicked, yet do all these incredible things that seem amazing to people, but to God your heart was hard. That's what you'll look at. Set rhythms in your life. Sorry, that's late. That's a lot later than I thought it was. Routine breeds tradition, which can lead to religion, but the unforced rhythms of grace causes faith to rise in your heart, which will breed breakthrough life. You have everything you require for life and godliness. It's been placed inside of you. So I just want to say this year, you've got choices to make. You've got, you, everyone, every day, you'll have a choice to make. And I've watched some stuff on Netflix over the, over the holidays now. Man, this woman called Mandel, Madeleine Murray O'Hare in the 60s, she was an atheist. You remember that, or you know that lady from America? I don't know if you've heard of her. Too young to remember or know this lady. She was the woman that instituted prayer to be taken out of the schools in all of America. One woman. And she started a thing called American Atheists. I'm like, whoa. That was quite powerful what she did on her own. She was demeaning, she was sarcastic, and she got murdered brutally in nineteen ninety-five by a woman, a guy that used to work with her, trying to steal all her money, because she's making so much money off people. <laughs> it was, it's always around power and greed, people. Here's a few things. So just on that understanding, see, someone being an atheist think they know better. Somebody having struggling with their sexuality, struggling with sin. Don't, yes, a line. You can choose to let your sin grip you. And the point of your whole life that you live for is defending that cause of your sin that you live in. I've seen this happen with people. Yeah, but you don't understand. And this is who I am. Okay. It's what you've chosen. It's not what you are. It's what you've chosen. So you can spend your whole life defending the sin that you're in. And they're not living for the one because your conscience has been severed. Come back to the one. Come back to the one. Set a rhythm in your life of the one. He will feed you. He will empower you. He will set you free. He will transform you. You can choose to defend your sin if you want to. I deal with people like that quite a bit. Okay, you can choose to stick in old cycles and habits and routines that shape you in a way that doesn't breed life. It's your choice. You decide what rhythm you want to set in place this year. Because that's reality of doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for change. They say it's a mild form of sanity. Insanity, sorry. Just doing over and hoping it'll change. But you're actually doing nothing different. The rhythms you've got to set in place are godly rhythms that'll bring change. Another thing is that your culture and your traditions of man are more important than the rhythms that God has set important for your life. Choose the kingdom. Choose the kingdom of God over your own traditions over your own set of culture that you think are important, yes, there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with your own culture and traditions. But when they supersede yeah. the ways of the Almighty, yeah. it's idolatry. Because yeah. you're worshipping something else and giving your time and effort to something else. Right. You can choose to do that. It's your decision. Okay? I want, I want us to... also another thing? Just recognize where you would think where the enemy has blinded your thinking and your paradigm of thinking in such a way that you believe that you're right about something. So think about the context. Jesus talking to Peter, and he says, well, I'm going to have to go to the cross and pay a price. No, you won't. No, we won't let that happen. You get behind me, Satan. Wow, strong words, eh? Are any of your thinkings rooted? And it's not demonic forces, okay? This is a way of thinking where you feel you're right all the time. So a way of thinking towards people, a way of thinking towards your spouse, a way of thinking towards your boss, a way of thinking towards your pastor is rooted in your own paradigm of thinking that's been built from a kingdom of this world. I I don't know if you're getting this. Okay? So what you do is you'll have an argument with somebody and you'll say, it's happening to me, all the stuff that's coming against me, but it's actually a paradigm of thinking that you think you're right. And you've got to align that to the purposes in the kingdom of God with grace and humility. It's not about being right. It's about being one in, about being one in accord. In one accord. One in heart and mind. This is an un, not an untapped in area, but this is an area we don't touch it a lot because we always think what we would say is pure in our own hearts. But I know in my own life that through 17 years of marriage, our 18th year of marriage now, there's been seasons in my marriage where times influence from people and different points, I've had a viewpoint and a paradigm towards what my wife is. And it wasn't godly. So I'm trying to give you an example if you can see how this stuff works. So people were telling me in my ear, she's controlling. And when something happens at home, in my mind i are like, see, look at you. It's controlling. But that paradigm of thinking was evil. I had to repent before her and acknowledge my bad thinking. And in the, the repentance, I changed the way I think towards her. So I set her in the light how God sees her. Men, listen to me. If you have a troubling with your wife, you ask yourself one question. Am I viewing her through God's eyes or how the enemy would like me to treat her? So that's, that's harsh stuff to <laughs> land you, But you decide. You decide the rhythms you want to set in your life this year. That will bless you. That will honor you. And many things we carry on in life not even realizing you're doing it. But the Spirit of God will always awaken. Will always bring light to you. Okay? Because routine just produces traditions. The traditions of men. Which eventually becomes Religion. And religion is the all form of God, but no power. But rhythms of life, rhythms of godliness in your heart produces faith, and as faith brews in your heart and the love that you have for the King, you will see breakthroughs start happening in your life. You'll see God just working for you. The things that are impossible start taking happen, start taking place. That's our King. That's our God. So don't try and set one resolution in place. Like the little girl said, you're going to have a thousand moments this year. You might fail once. You might fail twice. You might fail 30 times. But it's okay. Because she doesn't say it, but Jesus is for you in every single way. Come, let's stand together. Let's just ponder on him for a moment here. I just want to say to you, see, this, life is so easy, essentially, on this earth. It's love God and love people. Love God and love people. You can't love unless you know the one who loves you. Yeah. Jesus, we come before you this morning with truly grateful hearts, knowing all that you've done for us, Lord Jesus. Knowing that you are for us in every single way. Father, we, we forgive us where we've put routines that have become religious tradition in our hearts and lives that we just go through the motions. Forgive us, Lord, where the love and the life of something is dead and we just keep doing it. Father, we want to rest upon by the power of your Son, Jesus, the Holy Spirit that has now been given to us to set rhythms in our lives this year that help us to live these godly lives, that help us to live these lives for you, Help us to have this wonder of the king of kings always before us, that he would choose someone like me. Who am I that God would know? As David says, what is man that you are mindful of him? Oh, Lord, help us to keep the wonder of who you are ahead of us. Help us to make decisions that are powerful this year, that, that, that help us avoid all the cycles and rhythms that destroy us. But we choose the rhythms and the unforced rhythms of your grace upon our lives to produce life and to produce fruitfulness to see your kingdom advance as ambassadors of the King of Kings. So, Father, I pray over everyone here this morning. This this is not a heavy word. This is a word of life. This is a word of rhythm that we set in place to live for you this year and to see you do great things in and through us wherever we go. We bless you today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we say amen. 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 Amen.